Episode 405 of the Siren Studs podcast. It's me again, Kurt, joined once again this week by my, um, oh, geez, flatulent co-hosts, Peter and Jake. Blazing co-hosts. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to brag, but Dude, I got them toots. I did, I did just Damn. watch this man house a fucking meatball parm yeah. sub. Damn, I was wrong. That ass can fart. Um, we're coming at you this week with the uh, corn chip nails edition of the cast. Now, I will ask you this: uh, for you at home, can play along as well. If your significant other came back from getting their nails done and they just looked like Fritos, like the pattern they got was to look like Fritos, how would you react? What would you well, do? first, I'd be confused as to why she went to get her nails done when she's literally never done that before. Okay. Um, so, confusion, I would think. I would say, can I try? Can I take a lick? <laughs> Give me a lick. Just goes um, over to the salsa bowl, just grabs it. <laughs> <laughs> can you scoop it? Can you scoop the dip? Depends I on if you ex- want the extensions or not. I, I cannot express to you my level of confusion when I first heard you say corn chip nails. Yes. I heard corn ship nails, and I just thought you a- added three nouns together. I also heard corn ship nails, like the nails you would use to construct a ship made of that corn. Is. Yeah, yeah. So then I'm like, where, where is Peter going with this? How will Upstate he take New York, though? apparently, my high ass of my didn't accent. even like... My high ass didn't like even track that the two were related. I thought he said corn ship nails and then launched into a separate rant about <laughs> fingernails starting styled to be Fritos. Well, I was like, okay. And I accepted this because I've known Peter for 10 years. Uh, well, I was like thinking, I'm That's like, where, where, where are you, are you shipping corn to? And um, no. is it known to need a specific type of it's- nail? It's actually it taking cobs and building, uh, uh, you know, a, a schooner with them. Oh, you know, that's very environmentally friendly. Well, I mean, there's the famous uh, Yu-Gi-Oh card black ship of corn, and uh, I, 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 number fifty black ship of corn, and I'm pretty sure somewhere there's a nail Probably. on sure. that ship. Sure, yeah, that would that would be a a corn ship nail. Yeah. That would, a black corn ship nail black at that. Very pro, very progressive. If you were the size of Thumbelina, would you ri- live in an ear of corn like a high-rise apartment? Um, I don't know. Is Thumbelina I feel like it would that get kinda... Probably a little bigger. I don't know. Whatever is convenient. <laughs> Whatever is the convenient <laughs> tiny person size. I mean, I would buy a bunch of Legos and just get to, get to build in my free real estate. Modernist <laughs> building it. I would, I would hire a, I would hire a uh, master builder from one of the go prefab stores. and just live in a literal dollhouse. <laughs> That's true. I mean, this is basically the uh, the the premise of downsizing. 
Right. That's, that was, that the, was the premise. The movie apparently mm-hmm. was something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. The movie. I don't. I think it missed the market. I think it was just like small people doing I, emotional things. I only remember like the trailer of it, and then it didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. Because yeah. it yeah, turned from what if people could. What if people voluntarily decided to shrink themselves for a study? Kind of like, so a a better example of this, a good show that uses this premise is Severance. Yes, a similar uh, kind of deal, where they take mm-hmm. a a a weird cha- a big change in their lifestyle for really good pay. But yeah, I think Severance probably. I haven't seen it. I really need to see it. But it probably you should watch it. Yeah, I would love to do a, do a discussion on the show about I, it because yeah. I have I have a lot of things to say about. I, I think we've talked about. It. I think I'm like halfway <laughs> through the first season, so yeah, we we got to finish it up. I I'm eagerly awaiting season two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Future future topic incoming. Yeah, but um, yeah. All right. we'll we could talk about that. We could talk about downsizing, but instead we're gonna upsize <laughs> and talk about our <laughs> yeah. trailers. Um, the one trailer that we're not going to talk about this week, Trey, Trey, do Trey not watch, do not Trey watch, <laughs> uh, Megamind two. Tra- I'm just going to mention it here. Oh, there's a Megamind there's two. A Megamind what? two. Well, let's all right. Let's, maybe let's let's just lump all the animated sequels that got announced this week together. So we got Megamind two, we got Inside Out two, and we got Moana two. Yes. The teasers for Inside Out and Moana were combined 45 seconds. <laughs> I think I think the Moana teaser is a teaser for a teaser. I think during the big game we're going to get a, a actual teaser that's going to show us more than well, just the, a the... thick-thighed <laughs> con teaser. Actually, it's so much it's so much better than that cuz the video is titled Moana 2 title announcement. As if you were confused about what the sequel to Moana might be called. Oh my god! <laughs> it's I mean they are doing that with Sonic, where it's just like the announcement was: this is what the logo looks like, and we're gonna play a snippet of "Live and Learn," so you know it's gonna be in the movie. Do what came out first, Moana two or Sonic two, or Sonic three? I guess. Oh, uh, Sonic three came out. Mo Sonic. I was gonna say if it was reversed. I was about I f- to say, well, the movie. Sonic 2, the video game, also Sonic 2. No, I was going to say, <laughs> the, if, trailer. Uh, the Sonic 3 title announcement came out after the Moana title announcement, I feel like they would have done that as a joke. Just been like, haha, yeah, we can announce our title too. We can. Or maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe there is more to the title that we're missing in the context of this 16-second video. And I think you're all missing the glaring thing right in front of you. Enlighten me. There is a paddle right next to her. It's obviously yep. called Moana 2 Paddle of Destiny. That's honestly a better it's a better title than Megamind 2 got. It's fucking the Doom Syndicate. I I want to All right, I didn't want to talk about it cuz but now that we're it's we're on the topic, I have to talk about this cuz this trailer Are we on the topic? We were talking about Moana. <laughs> I thought we were I thought we were about all things. You're trying to steer it back to Megamind, Peter. Okay. It's okay. okay. You can own I, it. I trust you. Okay. I I understand now. Okay, so Megamind <laughs> <Do> you, 2. 
Uh, the trailer sucks so hard. This movie is gonna be so bad. It's like they, they, um, the budget is one ten billionth. Uh, so there's no, ex- there's no extras. There's no scene dressing. It's just like a full sale scholarship recipients, uh, treatment of Mega Mind Two. I put the trailer well, yeah, in the in the the uh, discussion or in the text here. It you is a it. Uh, um, Peacock original. Yes, it's got uh, it's got CG that is on a level very slightly above the Jimmy Neutron show from the mid aughts. Yeah, um, it looks like a mix between yeah, uh, Jimmy Neutron the TV show and. Uh, a Fortnite machinima. <laughs> where no, a Fortnite machinima would look much better. Probably. Um, these are it's it's all wide shots of huge areas with like three characters in them, and, and yeah. they're just standing around and talking. Oh no! Oh, I just saw them shoot uh, like a cannon and the. Instead of the the projectiles coming out of the barrel of the cannon, they just rent. They popped in like a bad texture. This is Dude, this. This literally looks like a Paw Patrol episode. <laughs> Again, Paw Patrol looks better than this. <laughs> is this is just? Yeah. Do they downsize the, like the voice actors? Are they like the. I thought well, Will yeah, Ferrell was in this for some reason. He was. The original Mega Mind. Oh, he was in he the, was original the original Mega Mind. Mind. Was he the, the Mega He was Mind? Mega Mind. Yes. Pog. Yeah. They didn't get him back Me- for that. <laughs> 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 the Will Ferrell back. No. I mean, have you seen this trailer? It's <laughs> obvious they couldn't afford him. Yeah, <laughs> Jonas Hill was Titan. And Mega Mind was Willie Ferrell. Metro Man was Brad Pitt. Roxanne Ricci was Tina Fey. Bernard was Ben Schiller. Fuck, they just took all of Hollywood and threw it at this cast. And then Megamind 2, they went... Yeah. I was was trying to do the the foghorn, uh, (laughs) the ship foghorn kind of thing. When when you when you smell something, yeah. When you smell something stinky and it's fish coming fresh off the water. I can't even find this shit on um on IMDb. Yeah, I... it's because no one wants you to know that they were involved with it. Oh my god, is this like unsearchable? They've had it scrubbed from existence. Shit. They're like. Even Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, is proud to no. be out there. But it's not a movie. It's a show. Did we go over that? Oh, is it like the movie pilot of a, of a series? It's, it it's said called... an original movie on the thing. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well, maybe there's some drama in the background for this. I found it on IMDb. The same trailer is playing on IMDb. Um and it's called Megamind Rules? Yes. So I think Megamind um, 
the Doom Syndicate. Mega Mind, oh, it's Mega Mind versus the Doom Syndicate. Okay, I see. Um, this is way more important than our other trailers. It really is. Like, what else no, do we got just, here? We have, again, the sequel to the the Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Um, yeah, one of the worst reviewed movies of last year. Yeah. Wait, oh, is there? Okay, so are they coming out with Mega Mind versus the Doom Syndicate? the movie and then a follow-up or concurrent show called Megamind Rules? That's what I'm thinking. Is there there that much demand for Megamind? I know he's a good meme. I think they discovered that they own the rights to it and saw, hey, people are still making memes about this. Clearly there's some appetite for it. Let's cash in. Yeah. They realized that two years ago... Because clearly this was a rush job. <laughs> no time was made spent making this shit. They realized okay, that in 2019, Megamind got really popular. And they're like, now's the time. Who, who the what poor unfortunate souls got tied to this. Um, the biggest one I can see is Adam Lambert got tied, oh. tied to it. Um, yeah, huge name. <laughs> uh, Jeff Bennett... I don't know what he's known for. His Mega Mind. Um, I went to wait, high Jeff school Bennett's with a the kid Mind named Jeff the Bennett. And Keith yeah. Ferguson is the Mega Mind in the sequel movie. They couldn't even keep the same voice actor to carry over what? to their their TV. Uh, oh yeah, there's two Ferguson Mega was, Minds. Keith Ferguson was a little too rich for their blood. He was off to do. He just came off of Merry Little Batman, Hamster and Gretel. Bro, so he was karaoke. very in demand. He's very in demand. He's a, he looks like it looks like um, he is a V. You know, he's a you know your journeyman VA um, for a lot of like Cartoon Network and Disney shows. I mean, he also voiced Reaper in Overwatch. It's interesting. <laughs> I guess he can blurt I mean, out his his uh, Diablo four voice lines. In the middle of That's this, the main guy. It's like one of the main guys. I, if <laughs> he wasn't, guy, you know, if he wasn't, didn't have such a huge, like, breadth of portfolio of work, I would kind of feel bad that this seems like his big break. <laughs> like, you get to be the lead in your own in the in in a full uh, feature film animated movie. It's Mega Mind too. Well, hey, I'm sure he got a nice check for it and it's something he can uh you know point to it'll probably lead him to a another role as long as he doesn't absolutely suck yeah yeah i mean never never too late to make a name for yourself it looks like he's about you know 56 or something so he's uh he's got a lot of life left to live yeah speaking right. of lives left to live Fuck! I don't have my list. Um, uh, the Christopher Robin doesn't have a long life left to live. If uh, Winnie the Pooh has anything to say about it, I like but, this. Yeah. I like this movie because the title rhymes. Winnie the Pooh two blood, blood, blood and, and honey, honey and honey two. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh blood and honey two. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh blood and honey two. Um, yeah, the sequel, no one asked, the sequel to the movie, no one, the sequel that no one asked for to the movie that no one asked for, uh, is here, whether you like it or not. (laughs) It's, I, I'm glad that, like, 
so this movie is probably like the budget is even less than most horror movies. Like this is we're almost like straight to video levels of of low budget, but the the way to construct a horror trailer is down to such a science that it doesn't feel materially different from most other horror trailers that we've seen uh, in our. In I mean, our you could here. say it's down to a science, but I think if it's down to a science, that's because they found a winning formula, and I don't feel like these trailers are any good. <laughs> I see. I just it feels to me like like many other horror trailers. Oh yes, it's extremely derivative, but this is a movie that only existed because the character entered the public domain and they were like, what's the worst thing we can do with this? Yeah. Well, now Tigger's and here to join the they, party. Yeah. And the so, wonderful thing about Tigger's is that they are in this movie. The wonderful thing about um, Tigger's is, this... is that they will not stop until you are dead. I know... <laughs> I know. I looked into this. Um, did they uh, don't sleep? They don't eat? They don't even breathe? Just bounce. Fun. Was was Winnie the Pooh the first one? Was this um, the one that was like financed by those oil barons, those oil tycoons? <laughs> was Winnie um, the Pooh Blood and Honey financed by the Koch brothers? Is what you're asking? Um, I can't imagine that any oil tycoon would view that as a worthy investment. <laughs> Although, when you own most things, maybe that just gets gets swept up in the whole thing, in the whole, in just the, the Omni-Net. I mean, maybe it was to... As, to as Mr. Burns said, it's, a loss. it's the Burns Omni-Net. It sweeps the ocean clean. Um, so, I'm it pretty is, sure it was a weird um, But there was something where, like, these like guys who made a ton of money off of like um, oil in, in like the UK. Yeah, it was a Bloomberg article um, because they only spent like like ten thousand or fifty thousand dollars on it, and then like double or triple their profit, <laughs> or triple or triple their uh, their money back. So their investment. Oh like, well, yeah, I guess like, I guess it was. You know, I do take that back because they spent twenty thousand dollars making the movie. <laughs> so, because <laughs> yeah, they didn't have to pony up that much scratch. <laughs> wait, so wait, say again. Which which pair of oil? People? I'm trying to look for the because uh... I, I immediately leapt to the Bogdanov twins, and they do have IMDb's. <laughs> they wrote Bogdanov sounds like something I could catch from a toilet seat. Kurt, do you know, do you know about the Bogdanov twins? It sounds vaguely familiar, but I can't say that I'm super like up to speed Just on them. Google them, and you'll know them by their faces. Hey, guess what, Peter? We didn't flinch. We didn't flinch. We didn't flinch. Those of you who know know. Yep. <laughs> I keep um, wanting to say it. I am the storm that is approaching, but that's uh. <laughs> I mean. That's something else. That's... I would want Cody Rhodes to be... He could play Virgil in the live-action adaptation. No. The only thing he's going to be in is that Final Fight movie. Because he's Geese Howard. It's true. It... <laughs> he is one-to-one Geese Howard. Um, unlike, Young Geese. Unlike Young the Bogdanovs. 
Yeah, no, no Bogdanovians. Oh Lord. So I, I don't know if Jake ever found out which, which oil baron gave their dirty oil money to Winnie the Pooh. I, yeah. uh, I'm not finding. I admire it. that they went to the same plastic surgeon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> this. I wonder if they got a family discount. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. It, I think it was this guy. Um, I want to look like Reese. Uh, so Reese Frake Waterfield is is one of the um, producers. He's a British filmmaker. Um, he left his job at EDF Energy to create low budget horror films. It's, um, it's kind of ironic. Waterfield is an oil is an oil guy. <laughs> yeah. So they made they had a budget of less than a hundred thousand um, dollars, and it made over five million dollars. That that's what the thing was. Was it like? It made a fuck ton of money compared oh. to like what they the budget yeah, was. It it's not it's no Blair Witch project, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's something. Yeah. And I think I think it like came out shortly after this like hit theaters that they were in talks to do another one. Oh, I I remember the sequel being success. announced long long before this trailer. Yeah. Like I, I, I've known that this is coming for what seems like six years. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that Winnie the Pooh has not been in the public domain for that long, but it's called comedic hyperbole. <laughs> they were ready for it. Um. But you know who wasn't ready? Earth. On day one. Earth. Of a quiet place. Day one. Oh, we gotta squeeze just a little more blood from that stone. I feel like A Quiet Place Day One kind of eliminates the thing that made A Quiet Place interesting. The noise. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I, I feel so bad for A Quiet Place. I, I I really enjoyed the movie, but I fell asleep during the first one because it was like kind of calming. <laughs> there was a lot of like quiet, long, quiet scenes, and I was like, "Oh man, but not in this one no we we are full bore, we're in a cityscape, we're in new york city uh and and they're they're it's a story of how this attack invasion kind of thing, the monsters yeah the, it's given a little bit of cloverfield just with yeah, it's it's them. just gonna be like a War of the Worlds alien invasion movie. Like it, it everything that made a Quiet Place a unique concept is stripped away here. <laughs> yeah, it's just barely hanging on by the by the thread of the gimmick. Yeah, I I mean I can see maybe um like halfway through this movie it kind of returns to form of like okay now they once they realize how to. Right, I like imagine the movie getting them. quieter as it goes along. <laughs> and I and I, I want to well, yeah, say as they the, learn that <laughs> the main character might be might be deaf or something like that too. That's the other thing. Would it make more sense for them to be mute? Also, um, that's stealing. That's stealing from a bad M Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> well, you because uh, in I'd, Signs, the kid had asthma, and that saved him from the paralyzing cat. I, I actually don't know how common mute people are. Usually, deaf people are, uh, at, at least if they're born deaf, um, they are 
pretty much mute because they can't like vocalize things correctly. They yeah. end up like if you've ever end up like if you've ever heard a deaf what, person to, speak, you'll realize that they have a certain affect to their voice. Oh, oh yeah, it's so yeah, funny. It's, it's so funny. I'm I sorry, wouldn't people. describe it as funny. It's but okay, they can't hear you. Noticeable. <laughs> they can't hear. Yeah, no. They'd difference. be very upset. <laughs> They're probably it, not listening to this right now. It's, <laughs> it's a little funny. It's a little funny. Um, <laughs> they got other ways to communicate. It's not like they're blind. Um, it's okay. There's a. I can say a lot of them are hearingist, anyways. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are assholes. I've heard about that. Um, well, like, yeah. It's like remember in Coda when she was like upset that she didn't turn out to be deaf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The capital, and like uh, the capital D deaf community. It's like no. <laughs> You're out. Um, so, I actually don't know. I, I don't know if there's a uh, the plot synopsis or something like that. Maybe um, says if the main character has like a uh, a disability that like gives them inva- an advantage <laughs> um, a superpower if you will that's like a, it's a, a handicap in every meaning of the word yeah yeah but just know that if you have a dog in a quiet place universe um, it's probably gonna die just yeah it's kind of sad but I uh, just want to make sure everybody's on the same page as me. And <laughs> everybody's sad that their dog will die. Are you are you, are we going through something here, Jake? Oh, Should I be concerned? Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dog need... died over the weekend. Or not over the weekend, like uh Monday? Oh shit. Tuesday? I'm so sorry, Jake. Yeah. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, it was my it was my mom's dog and like they got they got him after I moved away, so it's it's like I only saw him when I like went home. It's not like I grew up with him or something. I'm trying to think um, of a dog related get well soon type type of card. My um, condolences. My dark humor has really been taking over through this, and I'm just like thinking you can just like print out one of those like Facebook emojis that's like the dog being like get well soon. Like they're really. I'm rooting for you. I can't possibly imagine what you're going through. <laughs> oh, no, my mom. My mom was pretty upset, but um, yeah, my yeah. She, we got family down there so to help them out because they're in Florida. They're like at their new house and. Okay. They're trying to ah, uh, your folks moved down to Florida, Florida, huh? They're snow burden. They're one. Of, they're one of those people. They're full on. They're full on birds. They're in good company. Yeah. But oh. uh, we'll move on here to to a lighter topic. Uh, the Amy Whitehouse nope. biopic. <laughs> Speaking of dead things. <laughs> Speaking of things that die, Amy uh, Whitehouse, com- like my dog, is dead. So. This is an interesting choice for a biopic to uh, not only cast someone who in no way resembles the person they're supposed to be portraying, yeah, uh, but to also uh, not show like any alcohol anywhere. The, in yeah, the, the trailer. Like, her iconic thing was the controversial life she lived and her issues with uh, substance abuse and alcoholism, right? 
Like that's the thing I know her for, or at least it. And I don't really, I don't really know Amy Winehouse as, that well as a as a singer, a celebrity. But like that's the thing I do know, and that's the thing that people would always like make jokes about and shit. But that's like nowhere in this. And I get part of it. It's like trying to be tasteful about it, okay. <laughs> but like leaving it out entirely. Yeah, you can't tell someone's story without telling their fucking story, you know? I'm trying to get see if there's, like, a side-by-side. Like, side. making a movie like this after Weird the Al Yankovic story, uh, I feel is a is a fool's errand. It's, it's weird because she only... She only looks like her when she's in, like, the full get-up. Oh, cut to, cut to one it's minute. To, Facially, they don't bear any resemblance yeah but cut. like yeah they're they're getting by on like her her beehive and her mole and signature makeup it's yeah. like they went also, to a, a like what was a spirit halloween this is like spirit halloween amy winehouse doesn't sound a sound like her either it's just a a, a poor choice uh yeah and I'm not I'm not sure what kind of uh, demand for this movie there is. I mean, I know she's Amy Winehouse had her fans. She wasn't like, I think, super duper popular. Um, is this? Um, and uh, the timing feels kind of weird. This is directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Is has she directed stuff before? It sounds familiar. Like I feel like. That's, she was an actor, right? Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, she's okay. She's a she is a director. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. I'm. I'm remembering. She. Okay. Yes. She did oh, Fifty right. Shades of yes. Grey. Of course. Classic cinema. Uh, yeah. So her her um. Her long list of directorial accolades include a couple of Ellen John music videos. Um, Some commercials, couple short films, commercials. Um, yeah, mostly music videos, honestly. Um, and then Fifty Shades Grey. Yeah, this like I, I'm seeing like you know, s- uh, short videos about AIDS, about Women's Day. So it seems like she has like she's conscious of like the society kind of societal issues and hard hitting topics. Uh, so that makes it kind of all the weirder to me that it's nowhere in this trailer. I I can't imagine that they well, would if they make the movie without this. I I don't know what to say. You've you've missed the mark entirely. But maybe they're just leaving it out for now. Oh, she's married to Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is set to be Craven. Yeah, and he was in that train movie. Oh, that's interesting. I was about to say, they don't look like they're peers in age, and they are not. She is 56, and he is 33. All right. Good for her. Good for her, I guess. It's quite an age difference. Yet, no one's complained about how it's creepy. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was skimming through the uh, comments, and it it definitely thinks like the... Uh, feels like the the vibe is the same. Where uh, this definitely feels a little sanitized. Um, only towards the end of the trailer does it get like into the dark nature of possibly what what they might do. But 
Um, you know, I don't know if they're gonna the, go all the way with it and show like the the bad bits of it. But I, I also don't know that much about Amy Winehouse. I don't know how often like was she only like spiraling out of control like towards the end of her life. I think she, she always had some issues. Yeah. Um, especially at the peak of her popularity, like. Okay. I think her most famous concert, she's like drinking throughout the entire thing on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm seeing here, stuff like this. So, um, if I guess if you're a if you're a guest of honor at the wine house, um, I don't know what her fandom is called. Who knows? Wineheads. Winos. Winos. <laughs> Um, uh, I'll leave it I can't to them to be the judge. I'm even if this was gonna be good, I probably wouldn't go to see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I can't say I'm. I'm too terribly interested in the subject matter, and also doesn't look particularly well, also, well made. I I don't know. I I'm not the biggest fan of like biopic, like um, bo- like the Bob Marley like the oh yeah that's coming out that that have been. Very popular because there's the Bob Marley one. Um, there was the Queen, the the Freddie Mercury one a while ago. The Queen, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be more than more than that eventually. They're, they're gonna keep doing them. Seems like they're they make enough money. There's the Elvis, you know, even though it won awards, mm-hmm. I still was not interested in it. Like I'm, I don't know, it's not the biggest fan. Um, well, I wasn't interested in that one because it was a Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah. I oh, you were my I I remembered. I just remembered Tom Hanks, the accent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I gotta go back. That's the real reason why I didn't go to see it. Um, That's the yeah. That would have been a tough hurdle to clear. Yeah, cause I couldn't get into it. I was like, I don't. I don't I'm Tom I Hanks. Think he's uh, Elvis's manager. I don't, I don't buy it. Like I don't, um, I don't remember. I can't replicate the voice, but I, I, I feel it in my soul. Yeah. So I, I don't. I'm not the biggest like music biopic kind of person. So it's not. It's just not for me. That's fine. Yep. It has the. Um, it's the same thing as uh, book adaptations. There's a. There's a lot of source material to draw from. So if you want, it's a easy low hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, speaking of low-hanging fruit, this is not low-hanging fruit, I don't think. Um, Drive Away Dolls, it is a Coen brother movie. Yep. Oh, right, yes. Yes, actually, I think it's just one of them. Yeah, it's a Coen brother. <laughs> I think it's just... Uh, Ethan Coen. Ethan? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, do a, they do a cheeky... We got little... one Coen brother. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do a cheeky... Um, if we get like, enough change to together, we can movie. get both... Cohen Brothers. I have one. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They they throughout the uh, like twenty seconds in they go to uh, from you know the, the from the Cohen Brothers and then it splashes to a Cohen brother <laughs> from a Cohen brother <laughs> director of Fargo, uh, the Big Lebowski, Raising Arizona. Um, we get this movie about. Um, I don't really know their backstory, but they come across. I think they might. It seems like they stole a car. Yeah, they're they runaway lesbians who discover um, money, like illicit money in yeah. the rental car that they take. 
So it's basically No Country for Old Men, but instead of Josh Brolin, two lesbians. So it reminded me of Pulp Fiction a little bit more, where they get this suitcase. Well, I chose that movie because that's also a Coen Brothers movie. Okay. It's got the vibes of like a of Pulp Fiction. They, yeah, it's they a, it's a lot more silly than they get this. They get this no suitcase that they don't um, they don't know what's in it. Um, that's like the I, I, assuming they're going to keep that a mystery until the end or not at all. Don't reveal it at all. Um, and then there's these hitmen or these uh, not hitmen, but these guys who are after the suitcase. Um, they bring the cops into it. They try to figure out if they want to give it back, how they give it back, without getting hurt. Um, and the hitman's on and, their trail, uh, right? Yeah, it seems like hilarity ensues. Like there's there's funny moments throughout the... Throughout yeah, the I'm sure it'll be... It's definitely uh, not like... It's got that Coen brother humor in it. It's not like a, a more serious one, like No Country for Old Men. It's, it's going to be... I think a little closer to Fargo in execution, um, mm-hmm. because it's got a lot of zany characters in a uh, situation that is quickly spiraling outside of their control, much like Fargo. This hilarious situation has escalated to humorous levels. Um, that's the I don't know any other trailers. Yeah, none that I care about. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Let's go now to the follow-up. Looking at that domestic box office for weekend Big five of 2024. Domestic. We are uh, we're a tenth of the way through the year already. <laughs> we're running out of time fast, boys. <laughs> we're getting there quick. That's not true. That's not how that math works. <laughs> Um, what do we have in Argyle one? rings in the yep. top spot this week opening in first bringing in 17.4 million dollars in 3600 theaters uh, for total worldwide of 38.2 million and more importantly a spot in our spotlight I did this not is, stick the landing on that one this is a low light spotlight because uh, what does it have what's it rated Kurt what is our top um, movie it's, rated? It's taken, it's taken some brow beatings here. Uh, it's got a 6.1 on IMDb. That's not that bad. Uh, but then we look a little closer and see the 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, 71% audience score, and a 35 on Metacritic. That's the, that's the big indicator. With a user score of 3.8. <laughs> but... These are just numbers. There's no personality or justification behind these numbers. We can't trust them. You can trust people, though. People people don't lie. And when they do, it's often entertaining. <laughs> just like real reviewers are often entertaining. I, I, I got back around Tell there. Tell me your sweet um, lies, real reviewers. Like, you cladude one. He wants you to know that he was the first you clad dude. Uh, nine became a ten. Okay. Uh, submitted February 3rd. Quirky pick! Three exclamation marks. Yes, it's strange at times. That quirkiness makes sense in the third act. 
It's not perfect, but it is creative. Yeah. You can probably babble, babble, babble about this or that not making sense. Yes, but it's a mystery movie. So who cares? Let it go. The third act really stands out. Very cute and creative. Yes, some of it will seem odd. Exclamation mark. Yes. Sit back and enjoy. Three exclamation marks. Is it really a ten? Question mark. Hmm. Hard to say. (laughs) It is enjoyable, funny, creative, keeps you interested to figure out who is Argyle. Even when you know who Argyle is. (laughs) 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 Who is Argyle? (laughs) All caps. Question mark. And what does Argyle want to do? Question mark. You can guess. You'll probably be wrong. Go. Sit back. Enjoy. 29 out of 58 found that helpful. (laughs) Even when you know who Argyle is. Who is Argyle? This is this is so interesting because the more I the more I read these like reviews, the more that's I think up that, there with uh, the cinnamon Trixie sticks. I think. <laughs> yeah. The more I read these reviews, the more I'm thinking like, this movie started off really good, and that should have been the movie, and then it just it it, it bombed the rest of the way. <laughs> just like, oh, I feel bad for these actors. Uh, one out of ten. Dual IPA. Henry and John Kenna were not in the movie. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Um, uh, author note, I said dual IPA. I am making a pun off of Dua Lipa's name. And it's John Cena, but I call them Kenna. Don't fret. We have been catfished. The actors I wanted to watch this movie... All had minor roles. Their screen time was less than three minutes. It was a shame. I would have loved to watch a movie with Henry, Dua, and Kenna. And of course, other actors. (laughs) Instead, this movie had none of them. I repeat, none. The movie also felt too long. Some of their scenes looked cheap. There were scenes that were just filmed in a house or just some room with computers. OMG, their monitors are transparent. There goes the budget. Only two or three scenes of this movie were good action movie scenes. Again, I am mad with a capital M that I was tricked by the trailer. I expected different actors to be the lead in this movie. And it would have been a lot better if Dual IPA and Henry and Kenna hadn't made such a big impression in those first scenes. It is truly a shame that the movie I thought I would see doesn't exist. 50 out of 97. Found that helpful. Um, This is a side note. Kind of only tangentially related to your review. But for those of you at home... um, the transparent monitor effect or the holographic monitor is actually a really cheap effect. If you lock down the camera, you throw up a transparency of the graphic that you're looking at and you have the actor act out on the blank screen. And it's almost like they could afford to do it in Star Trek. Yeah. In the 60s. 
No, it's it, all the budget were in the transparent screens, not in the, uh, you know, the dual IP. That's not to Henry be said. Not to say that they can't use it in expensive movies, but don't let it trick you, audience. That is not a big boy effect. Um, they designed and developed transparent monitors for this fucking movie. It's awesome. It's the first Samsung went so hard. It's the first transparent monitors ever. Uh, five out of ten here from Feast Mode coming back. He's I'm back to the feast. I'm, I've returned to the feast. Um, with his five out of ten review. What are you doing to me, Matthew? What are you doing to me? <laughs> Matthew Vaughn is one of my favorite directors. He has three movies that are on my all-time favorites list. Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class, and Kingsman The Secret Service. I love his style and consider him a master filmmaker. His last movie, The Kingsman, was terrible. I gave it two stars. <laughs> But no one is perfect. <laughs> it's easy for, to forgive one misfire. He's a master filmmaker. His last movie fucking sucked. <laughs> With Argyle, however, we have another severely disappointing entry. It's not really, not nearly as bad as The King's Man, but that might be why it's even more disappointing. It could have been great. Why doesn't Argyle work? Movies are so complex. It, it's difficult to answer that question. <laughs> Here are my guesses. First, the humor and attempts to be quirky feel off. I only laughed once. Second, there are a few cool action scenes, but nothing to write home about. Third, what idiot decided to make this should be PG-13? There are so many deaths, but they can't fully show it, so it feels neutered. They do this to sell more tickets, catering to the casuals. But my theater was nearly empty on opening night, so casuals didn't show up, and you alienate <laughs> the true fans. Fourth, for what amounts to a popcorn flick, I was fairly bored and unengaged. But I think one thing hurt the movie more than anything else. This is a great cast, except for one role. The most important one, the main character. I don't dislike Bryce Dallas Howard, but this was a horrendous casting choice. <laughs> I can list out 30 actresses that would have been better suited for the role. It doesn't seem too bad early on, but the further we get into the story, the worse it gets. It's not even a tiny bit believable. I still look forward to future Matthew Vaughn projects, but I just found out his next movie is a sequel to The King's Man. Why? I can only hope he evaluates and tries to get back on track. One viewing, opening Thursday, Ultra Screen 2, 1, 2024. 40, how? 43 out of 75. How much time is left between The King's Man and The King's Man, the first one? Every year. We're filling out the entire story. All right. Um, well, I read now to you a review written by Steve Holden Mail, uh, spelled M-A-I-L. So uh, he's, he's working for the Post. 10 out of 10. 
Don't listen to the doubters. Argyle is as daft as a box of frogs. <laughs> Multi-period ellipses. Imagine regular ellipses. The combined offspring of The Kingsman and La La Land, directed by RuPaul and Jackie Chan on acid. Ladies and gents, I give you Argyle, daft as a box of frogs. Two hours, 20 minutes of 10 out of 10 entertainment. Fantastic. I think you'll enjoy it. It does exactly what it says on the tin. It entertains. I've read plenty of negative comments, but they seem to be missing the point completely. As for Henry Cavill being tipped up to be the next Bond, yep, give me the guy, the Tux, and the Walter PPK. Fire up the Aston Martin and call all bets. He looks the part and has the air of knowing cynicism to carry it off with absolute aplomb. So my advice, go see Argyle, enjoy yourself, and pop into the bookies on the way home and splash your hard-earned on Henry for the new 007 simples. Three out of eight found that helpful. <laughs> what is what is daft as a f- box of frogs mean, do you reckon? stupid as a box of frogs. Like, daft is British slang for dumb. Yeah. Um, so, like, dumb as a box of frogs, I guess it's kind of like huh. an a English version of maybe saying dumb as a box of rocks. I guess. But why would, you, why would your 10 out of 10 movie be that? Because he's being sarcastic. I guess. I guess so. Um, uh, addendum to my previous uh, review. I did not shout out the reviewer. Heyo, Loker. Good job. Good. Now, a better name. <laughs> Do not come to the cinema depressed. All one word. Oh, I've re- we've yes. read this guy before. Oh, he's great. We? Okay. Yeah. Great, great, great. Well, he said one out of ten. This is a long one, so bear with me. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of emojis, so I'm going to yep, be very expressive yep, in this. Um, and just kind of. I can't do it because I'm gonna blow a snot, but it's the uh, the, the oh yeah, like steam coming uh-huh. out of your nose emoji. <laughs> All right, oh, one of those watches in the cinema that about a third of the way in, whilst watching, you think to yourself, "Why did I come into this thing?" <laughs> um, that was the title. <laughs> yes. Just got out of a Dolby Cinema screening of Argyle. No notes, emojis. Uh, that's actually pretty good. Like scroll and no. Yeah. Throw everything away. Give us Henry Cavill, Dua Lipa, and John Cena in a buddy cop spy film with the exact same tone. The first scene. Build a film around those three is super spies chasing the MacGuffin, and Dua Lipa is always one step ahead of those two until they finally catch up to her. Keep Sam Rockwell too. Okay. All right. Side note. <laughs> Didn't we see that movie? I think that was what was that red that? red uh, fr- fr- red notice. Was red that, n- yeah, red was notice that? was Gal Gadot. Yeah, Gal Gadot. Ryan Rock? Reynolds in The Rock. Yeah. Yeah. And like the same movie. Henry Cavill was in The Man from Uncle before this, which I, which I still need to watch. Uh, yeah. Well, that's movie. that's an actual spy thriller. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a that's a reboot, right? It's a, um, it's it's a film adaptation of I believe an old television show, oh, okay, yeah, which yeah. may or may not be based on the book. <laughs> gotcha. Somewhere okay. in that chain. So, sorry, going back to it. Huh. 
on to the rest of the actual film. Negative set one. <laughs> Juggling emoji. They were trying to do too damn much. Frowny face. Not a single joke landed. I didn't hear a damn thing in the audience. And then face palm. Bryce Dallas Howard was okay at first, but then she started to do certain maneuvers and movements. <laughs> and at, what and a at maneuver. Time, <laughs> and at times, it just looked ridiculous. She's not... Yeah, I'm reading. A, so I'm reading a log at home. <laughs> I suggest everyone do the same. Uh, it's it's, so it's quite it's quite Jesus a, a trip. Uh, she's not thin <laughs> in this film anyway. Nor athletic. I'll just say that. <laughs> On top of that. The reveal, which that doesn't work. More on that later. <laughs> Cat emoji. Because of the awful direction of the concept and so many twists at some point during my watch, I just didn't care about the film anymore. You can't do too much. There are expectations of films that have layered plot lines, predestination, inception, and manage to put things together. But if you do it wrong, like here in Argyle, interest gets lost and you're making the film unnecessarily long, and you're doing too damn much. Things I liked about the film. <laughs> the okay sign. The first scene <laughs> with Chase with Dua Lipa, Kabil, and Cena. The Hong Kong scene. No emojis No emojis. No. Doesn't deserve it. No uh, Hong Kong emoji. <laughs> flowers. The different color grenades. Hallway shootout scene. Uh, is that a skating thing? Uh, the oil skating scene. Fun in both a good and a bad way. <laughs> and then a heart emoji. Sophia Butella. Or Butea. Butella. Uh, although Butella. she barely does anything. Okay. Neutral note. The eyes emoji with no mouth. Sam Rockwell tried like surprise his best. Eyes, yeah. Surprise eyes, Sam Rockwell tried his best to come up with something, but it just wasn't enough. Negative set two. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I could have put these negatives in the first set of <laughs> negatives, but just like the film, I will convolute <laughs> the structuring of this room. <laughs> uh, this, oh, this, this is like guy is like a drill tweet. <laughs> This is a Hall of Fame level circle jerker here, boys. <laughs> you are pack you it are up, watching. goofs. We're done. <laughs> You're watching the movie Argyle in this review. <laughs> it does not make sense. Uh, yeah, I will convolute the structuring of this review just like the movie. Uh, Face bomb. They overcomplicated the hell out of this thing. Even if you go with it. Uh, Emoji, as stated above, around a third of the film, I knew I was in trouble with this watch. It just wasn't working for me, but I kept going through it, shrugging. So Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell were those two all along? Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't care if it's explained like that. It just made the previous scenes with Cavill and Cena stupid and convoluted as hell. And then uh, uh, scratching the chin. Okay, let's go with it. So the division want the master file, right? Which <laughs> that's locked away with the secret keeper, right? <laughs> and the secret keeper is mandated that she will only give the master file to Ellie, right? So why does the division give a damn about the file then? The keeper will never give the file to anyone but Ellie. 
So why doesn't the division just execute Ellie then? <laughs> that solves the problem right there. Okay, but wait. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. Ellie is a double. Dot, 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 dot. Triple agent. So she's really on the division side. But then again, she's really not on the division side. <laughs> Even though she is on the division side, but she really isn't. Overall, it was an absolute shambles of a watch. 23 out of 63 found that out. Hats off. I, I I love this guy. I love them forever. <laughs> Please never stop making IMDb reviews. I uh come forward, dox yourself just to us, and we will send you a fruit basket. Show yourself. <laughs> yes, that's right, because I, I he's actually he's been on the show a bit recently because uh Night Swim. I read his review for Night Swim. And um, I think I also might have done his review for The Boys in the Boat. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, uh, we look forward. We, we watch your career with great interest. Don't come to the Simpsons. <laughs> you come here every week and you, you fucking not rock the shit out of it. Um, I am glad this last one is very short then because I... I, I, there's no way I can follow that up. So from Salomon Grundy, <laughs> Spy Kids for grownups, four out of ten. I had mixed feelings after watching the trailers, and I should have followed that mixture. Bryce Dallas Howard has the minimal amount of chemistry required with Sam Rockwell to make it bearable. She looks amazing in her role, don't get me wrong, but it was like she was doing that movie a favor. As a favor. The parts where Henry Cavill, Argyle, shows up are entertaining, but it looks like the only one having fun in the movie was Rockwell. There was something familiar about the movie, and then it clicked me that I was watching a version of Spy Kids, but for grown-ups who like their food chewed and pre-digested before eating. Zero out of zero found that helpful. <laughs> Thank you, Salomon Grundy. <laughs> Salomon Dundee. And thank you, IMDb user review section. Enlightening as always. Um, <laughs> you know it's a weak box office week when the Fathom event the Chosen, Season 4, Episodes 1 through 3. It's your number two movie at the box office this week. <laughs> Bringing in a scorching hot $5.9 million in 2,200 theaters. Um, triple billing, including Episode 4, <laughs> 1, oh, 2, Lord. and 3. Um, it's made $9 million <laughs> so far. Wow. Christians would just watch anything with Jesus in it, huh? I can see why one of the features on Rotten Tomatoes that we didn't talk about was the re-release of Turning Red for, I guess, Chinese New Year? I thought it was a mistake. I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. It's it's so it can get the theatrical run it deserved. It came out during COVID. They're going for the, the, uh, the Academy Award. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, yes, this is a movie that I have been begging to see on the big screen. Yeah. 
Oh man, um, number three, the yeah, the Le Beckeeper. <laughs> yeah, Le Becker. <laughs> Uh, there, they, there it is. Beckmore. Um, yeah, five five million this week for a worldwide gross of one hundred and twenty four million over its four weeks. Maybe Not bad. Bringing in that cash. MGM, I see you. Uh, Wonka finds itself in fourth this week. Four point six million down seventeen point four percent week on week and exiting one hundred thirteen theaters still. In nearly 3,000 theaters in its eighth week. This is a sleeper. <laughs> this is like a sleeper hit. I'm I'm very surprised uh, it, at how long yeah, it's this done, lasted. It's done quite well. $573 million. Um, yeah, for a movie that really has no reason to exist, uh, it's done quite well for itself. Uh, what would we say? $125 million budget. So, yeah, it's made a tidy, tidy profit for Warner Brothers. And boy, howdy, did they ever need that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Small bean Warner Brothers. I'm glad they're getting the bag. <laughs> well, I mean, they've lost billions on DC movies so far <laughs> this yeah. year, or last year, rather. Um, so they're they're really banking on this and, and Dune to kind of lift their bottom line. Knowing Hollywood accounting, uh, Wonka's going to come up as a, uh, a loss and an, uh, anchor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Aquaman is going to come up as a, uh, a financial success. I would, I would well, see uh, Will Ferrell as Anchorman in Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. Uh, see, Ron Burgundy would steal the show. Yeah. Ron... <laughs> It's Ron Burgundy in the Aquaman costume. Now that Aquaman. that I can get behind. <laughs> I'm King of Atlantis. Uh yeah, uh migration. It's still flying high in fifth. Shit, it's been in the theaters for seven weeks. My god. <laughs> it's I think, you know, with Wonka, like the longevity is a sleeper hit with this. It's the saving grace. It's keeping yeah. this thing from being an entire money pit. Um, hats off to the marketing division and the bean counters for uh, <laughs> fucking targeting this on the dot. They knew that this was going to sink to the bottom if they put it out at any other time of year. Uh, so with a, this week, 4.2 million uh, take that brings up to 223 million that's becoming like an actual number yeah that's that's like a fairly legit number almost a quarter bill and it only costs 72 million dollars to make so despite all odds they, they did it they pulled it off illumination once again <laughs> there to celebrate proving we will, ha- we will give you despicable me four as a treat. <laughs> yeah, that's coming. Now go to the theaters in your suits again, please. Yeah. Please do that. Please do that again. That was nice for us. Gentle uh, minions. Mr. Beast, we're relying on you. You're our only hope. Yeah. Mean Girls dropped like a fucking rock. Yeah, that has down no hope. Five um, spots. <laughs> turns out the movie that was marketed very badly... Uh, also turned out to 
performed very badly at the box office. Who could have imagined the scenario? So Mean Girl, <laughs> Mean Girls uh, is a, is a hot topic in this household right now. Um, a couple weeks ago, when my mom was here helping us out with Joey, um, Kristen said, "You know, hey, maybe when your mom's here, we can go out and see a movie. You know, you want to maybe we can go see Mean Girls. I've been wanting to go see that." said okay that's fine let sounds like a plan let's do that if we do that it's probably gonna have to be wednesday does that sound good to you okay good um wednesday rolls around and uh and and they end up going to the mall or some shit like late on wednesday night and get back at like seven or eight Mm. no no like hey we're gonna go we're going to go to the movie. We're going to go get dinner. My mom already made dinner at this point. I'm like, well, what's happening? Are we still going or no? I like change into my sweats. And then after that, I heard nothing. And she's like, guess we're not going to Mean Girls then, are we? <laughs> you said nothing about this, lady. We do. Women, man. I'm putting, so. I'm putting your face in the black meme box. And playing robot <laughs> rock behind it. Women. I, don't know, so, <laughs> I can't believe she did that to me. Such betrayal. $3.835 million. Mean Girls. Um, sub 100 mil. She's such a mean girl. I can't believe you've done this. Girl. Anyone but you uh, hangs out in the top 10 still. Down two spots to seven. $3.4 million. That's made $152 million worldwide. American Fiction uh, rolls out into 200 more theaters, bringing $2.39 million this week, bringing its total worldwide gross to $16 million. Poor Things um, is dropping out of the box office again. (laughs) Um, $2.1 million this week uh, out of 350 theaters and dropping three spots. Uh, total worldwide gross for poor things, $69 million. And rounding out the top 10, we have Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, $1.96 million, bringing its total worldwide to $424 million, <laughs> which means it probably only lost like $100 million. Good job. They have, well, I'm glad they have, uh, I'm glad they have Wonka to, to make up for it. Uh yeah, so Aquaman cost about two hundred five million dollars to make. Um, so if we apply our standard two point five x to that, oh, wait, that's not how you do that. Two fifty times two point five equals. Um, that hold on, it's Let me what sixty two point five, something like that. Times two point five, six hundred twenty-five million. So it's lost um, two hundred two hundred one million dollars. Awesome. <laughs> Good right. job, guys. But hey, you made back twice the production budget. That's right, <laughs> Jason Momoa. Great, glad you could get that bag. Um, <laughs> So we say goodbye this week to just Night Swim. It's been it's been a slow 
Slow box office. Sink, sink to the bottom. <laughs> I don't even get how that happens. Like that two, that two movies came in, but only one left the top ten. That does seem strange, doesn't it? Yeah. Something must have fallen farther that we're not necessarily seeing. I guess. <coughs> oh, uh, ISS, kind of. Oh, yeah. That... that was out last week. That dropped to 18 from 12. Maybe. Maybe something just left. I don't know. It's a, That's a mystery. You just pulled out. Yeah, that's that is kind of odd. And now it's bothering me. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, <laughs> oh, what was the number eight slot last week? Because I can't find that. So I will let's check. Let's do it. Do a little investigation. Number eight last week was Godzilla minus one. That's why it ended. That was the minus one minus color run, which is now out of theaters. Oh, okay. Yep. Coming soon to a Blu-ray special yeah. edition near you, I guess. Maybe boy showed year. up. <laughs> Got the number eight spot and dipped. And got the... Man, it showed up just like Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> showed up. No warning. Tore it up. Well, a little, a little bit of warning. warning. And then... Uh, I feel like there's yeah, plenty uh Popped out of there. Uh, like, we're popping out of the follow-up. We're done. We're out of this. It's over. It's dead. We're done. We're I'm, talking about video games I'm now. I'm moving on. I'm 99 for a moment. Something... I don't know how that song goes. I, I'm gonna. I would sing the lyrics that I know yeah, that I remember. Let's... They're not the lyrics that the songwriter wrote, but they are the lyrics that I hear every day when that song. I don't know. Isn't on. that isn't that song like Creed? I don't think it really matters what they were trying to say. Um, all right, bridging the world of movies and video games together with my story here, Disney is investing $1.5 billion in Epic and announces a new entertainment universe in Fortnite. So we are just one step away from Fortnite Machinima's actually being official Disney releases. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, marsh- the Marshmallow Fortnite concert truly was a prophecy. It's it's funny that Fortnite has essentially become what Zuckerberg has spent millions of dollars trying billions yeah. of dollars trying to get the metaverse to be. It's pretty, it's pretty funny, man. I I don't know. This is um, yeah. Disney making this uh, investment is pretty um, pretty crazy. I will it work out? I mean, I've been thinking Fortnite is gonna die for years, and it's not going away. So no, Fortnite's definitely like here to stay. It's a safe bet. I feel like it's a safe bet to like invest into Fort into, yeah, into Fortnite, and uh, it's pretty family friendly, pretty PC. Um, and they're doing work on making it more PC. So there's no cause for concern there from Disney, and it's just more ways to market their characters. Now, I think the fan base probably will be indifferent about them just adding what I'm assuming is new skins I don't know exactly how they're going to introduce Disney into Fortnite more than it already has well I think there's going to be like Fortnite maps and stuff based on Disney properties oh and... Fortnite Disneyland like the magical like they're going to have yeah. a like they're gonna have a season of Disney where it's like one, one area is the where like, you dropping boys uh, adventure world 
Yeah. Yeah, like, like oh, I'm, I'm dropping in a... That is kind of one of the things they showed in the announcement is, uh, you know, kind of like four connected islands uh, that resembles vaguely like a Disney theme park, although they're definitely kind of based more on areas... I don't know. It's going to be like Kingdom Hearts, yeah. <laughs> except less Japanese. It's well, that's weird. It's so interesting because it's um, I thought Disney had a game. Like, didn't they have like a a game where you could make your own like Disney princess? And I don't think that you go around. If they did, I don't know about I never Disney about princess. It. There was a I think Disney backed game called Toontown. Yes, that was an MMO. Yes. Um, yeah, Toontown was a while ago, but um, like, there was a new Disney. I think it was an MMO. I'm wrong. Dreamlight Valley. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, Dreamlight Valley is a. What is it considered? A simulation game. Hey guys, you want to hear something wild? I do. You can still play Toontown. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, MMOs have the uncanny ability to stay alive on long past their their point of popularity, like long past. It's because a lot of people don't understand the sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> yeah. So Dreamlight Valley was more like a Sims um, building a neighborhood kind of thing alongside of your favorite Disney characters. Um, not sure if they're going to do the same thing with Fortnite, it seems like they're just introducing areas of Fortnite or of Disney properties. Uh, Avatar, Star Wars, Marvel, um, what have you. Yeah, the, the map that they showed is definitely reminiscent of like a, a theme park. Different themed areas. Yeah. Um, maybe you can actually go on rides and then a big fuck-off castle in the middle. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing. Oh, dude, late stage capitalism is super cool when you're just playing your Fortnite game and you see a big billboard for Marvel and Disney Studios yep. and you're like I mean, we crossed man. that bridge years ago. I It is what it is. Where's yeah. my Coca-Cola chug jug, dude? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Fortnite is 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 a real weird conglomeration of like just brands and people eat that shit up it's nuts yeah i don't get it i don't get it oh. meanwhile pal world is making waves <laughs> by just copying other games and putting all the best features into one game that runs okay um you know minor crashing situations mm -hmm. uh lots of bugs definitely has a lot of bugs but um it's still in it's still in beta so you know what are you gonna what do you expect get over it nerds yep what were we talking about um uh, pal world oh right yeah Pal I, world's interesting i bounced of, off power pal world in about two hours really yeah did not enjoy it um it is a base building game first and foremost and I felt after about two hours, I'd experienced all of the game play loop that I was interested in experiencing. Seems like you're not letting your pals do the work for you. No, I I was, and uh... you gotta explore then. While they're while they're slaving away, 
picking stuff. It wasn't that interesting a world to explore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they gotta they gotta add more into it. Um, the uh, it's definitely it's definitely rough. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people like once the luster and the fun kind of yeah, wears like, off. Yeah, once you definitely you start seeing the cracks. Kind of get over the. Uh, oh, it's like Pokemon, but it's not. Um, it's it's really like it's more like Arc Survival Evolved featuring off-brand Pokemon than it is a Pokemon adjacent game. And like, if that's your bag, baby, more power to you. I don't play Arc. I don't like games like Arc, and uh, so I, I didn't really enjoy Power World. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't like Arc. Um, when I played it, uh, I didn't play that much of it, but I, I don't know if maybe at the time my computer wasn't running it that well. And well, no computer ran arc well at the time. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it, I may have been just playing it too early. Um, I don't know what happened, but whatever. I never got back into it. I don't think it's I any better now, it. to be honest. <laughs> um, but I don't know the the allure of the the catching Pokemon, you know, pals and stuff like that, and the um, the the base building, I haven't like dived too deep into it. People have made a lot of like crazy stuff, and that if that is your ish, then all all power to you. Um, be creative. They have a lot of stuff to do. They have a lot of balancing stuff to do. Um, like the way you unlock stuff um, just doesn't make sense sometimes. And there's like a, a lull at like level thirty where you kind of don't get anything interesting for a while. Um, and then yeah, there, there's a there's a repetitive loop. Um, maybe it's better on like servers, multiplayer servers, where probably. But then the your friends is... are fun, not not so much the game. Well, I, I haven't been playing too much with friends, but I know on the multiplayer servers, it's continuously running. Yeah. So your base is continually operating, um, and getting you like all the monotonous stuff and building up resources um, as long as, and it can be self-sufficient. It doesn't really need too much stuff to it. Um, so then you can come in after a day or two days of not playing and be like, Oh shit, I got all the stuff I need. Mm-hmm. Let me start building for like an hour and do stuff, unlock certain stuff, go fight a couple bosses um, and then build from there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm thinking maybe later on it'll be more of a grind probably once i get to like level 40 but um i haven't seen too much of it yet okay yeah i hope uh i hope they stick with it the developer kind of abandoned their uh last game which was uh save for the knockoff pokemon exactly like pal world <laughs> well yeah yeah that, that was the interesting thing. it was it was a legit um breath of the wild like knockoff like spoof, yeah like remake knockoff and I think they use a lot of that game to build Pal World. Yeah, Pal World does seem um, it's very. Uh, I'm not gonna say hacked together. I think that's a little too extreme, but um, it's very much a a community effort, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they just took the the basics of a lot of different popular games, um, or at least elements of a lot of different popular games, and mashed them together into like kind of what looks like on the outside to be a mess of a game. Like, you have the capturing pails, you have base building, and you have, like, boss fights as, like, the three main elements of Pal World. And it somehow works. It, it's 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 kind of impressive. Um, 
I still don't know if this is going to be like a Fortnite or it's going to be like uh, people are going to be playing it's this for years and years. Will it to fizzle come. or take off? But, that is the question. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think I, I'm leaning always towards more. It'll probably fizzle eventually. Well, like especially when uh, Nintendo <laughs> slaps him with the cease and desist. I don't know how much ground they have. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. They're gonna to have what, to like if, if Nintendo's probably gonna serve them, and they're gonna have to alter some. Peter and I were talking about this two weeks ago. They're probably gonna have to alter some of the palette designs that are like just recolored Pokemon, and change the names of some things. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I um. I was thinking like the pale sphere <coughs> they would have to like like that is a just a Pokemon with a sp- or Pokeball with a, a spire on top. Like there's nothing unique about that. Um so that's what I was thinking they might have to Well, like a couple of the the pals like the Anubis or whatever is literally just a recolored Lucario. <laughs> No, it's truly is. Well, when the Pokemon are based off of like real life things, and like, okay, Pal World does the same thing, just a little bit different. It's sure there are there there is art um, that is inspired from Pokemon, sure, but I'm not. I'm also not saying that Pokemon the designs are that uh, unique either. I mean, they are they are. Are famous for doing the same shit, just taking an animal and slapping a weird color or symbol onto it. Uh, you know, it's it's not very uh, impressive for those. Like they just took a they just took a, a sheep. Pokemon just took a sheep and gave it braids, and then Pal World did the same thing. I was about to say, minus the so so who's worse, the like, the derivative artist or the artist derivative of the derivative artist? I don't know. Well, that well, that's the question: Is that copying Pokemon or not? And I I think they're not gonna they're not gonna have that much ground to stand on. Well, even if they don't have much ground to stand on, they have the money to pretty much bankrupt them with litigation. They could. They could. They could. I mean, it depends on if they want to jump into that, you know, PR mess. Too. I think I mean, they. I they mean, may not care. They if it's getting if it gets big enough i i can see nintendo and the pokemon company seeing power as being possibly damaging to the brand and taking action it could um i i would man i i mean the the only thing i've i've thought about majorly with playing pal world is like okay when is game freak or somebody from nintendo going to demand this out of a game and I mean, there's there's a massive limitation like of hardware that has to be taken into consideration. That is a hurdle to overcome. You know, the Switch cannot run this, or a Pokemon version of this, um, and that and that sucks. Um, but like now, my demand for like a, a Pokemon game is this much higher because Pale World bumped up that bar that was already like basement level. You know, the games that Nintendo has been producing from Game Freak has is a uh, you know been shit as far as I'm concerned from like Scarlet and Violet and then even a couple of versions before that too. You so. you are on record on the show saying that you, you enjoyed Sword and Shield. <laughs> He's got <Yeah>. the receipts. <laughs> 
I may have at the time. I, I think there's probably obviously the lusters you, you've uh, soured on it. I'll I'll say this about Scarlet and Violet. If it if the switch were more powerful, it wouldn't be so bad. I've been playing it on my Steam Deck, emulating it, and it runs at a pretty much a locked 30 FPS, and it's it's not so bad. From a gameplay, from like a a game design perspective, it's very uh, it realizes the open world Pokemon concept a lot better than Sword and Shield did. Um, I mean, it's still rather basic graphically, but it's the Switch. What What do you really want out of it? The Sword and Shield, I, I think, I think they had that the luster of uh, having an open world design, and I was super gung ho on that, and I thought that was a great direction to move into, and having the Pokemon in the open world um, was great. Uh, but it did not. It did not stay with me. I did not enjoy playing the rest of that game. Um, Legends Arceus, I think, was another step in the right direction. And these are baby steps, steps in the right direction. But I, I didn't even finish Arceus. I lost interest in it. It was not. Um, it was not one for me to finish. Um, I think. I think and, part of the problem with Pokemon is that we've been playing it for like 25 years and we've kind of seen it, you know, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, that's what franchise can stay fresh for 25 years. It, it just really doesn't happen. Well, yeah, especially, well, I think part of the thing is like, they also keep the same, the Alola, the sun and moon were like the only ones to ever deviate from like the gym badges and, and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know if Scarlet and Violet did either. Um, it's, a different it's of that. got, like different objectives like there's yeah. essentially three different main quests that you're working on at the same time and there is there are gym badges um but it's it's a little bit different than a gym challenge yeah so i i just look at that and i'm like okay well i've seen that before and i guess the the nice thing is that they added different like quests but you know we've also had that in other um versions as well you have your your team to beat and you have that side quest to go defeat the the bosses and whatnot. Um, but usually they're more linear. Um, whereas I think, I think, uh, the newest ones were way more focused on being open-ended and open world where you can do it at your own pace. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just hope my only hope for Pell world, whether it sticks or not, is it ups the bar for Pokemon on what they need to do to make a good game. Um, and then maybe I'll be interested in Pokemon again. Well, they don't really need to do anything because their games keep selling just fine. I know. I <laughs> Well, I know. That's the problem is that they keep selling and they, you know, people buy them. They get new people into it to replace the people who are falling out. And they don't really see, like, sales fall off. But, like, I'm sorry. When you compare a $26 pale world game against a 70 dollar 60 70 dollar um pokemon game it's like yeah no this is not worth it at this point i've put in way more hours into pale world than i have i'm sure legends arceus or something else well sort of field i i feel like pal world is a just a different kind of game i don't know that yeah. it's really fair to compare them i mean certainly it's more impressive graphically but it uses a newer graphics technology like sure. I mean, I'm yeah. sure if if Game Freak wanted to hire new people ever, <laughs> he could hire some people who know Unreal Five and 
Well, you know, that, I mean, that's why I did. I had a, you have to put the caveat in there that like Nintendo is hamstrung by their 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 software, their their system that they're working on. You know, they can only expect certain amounts out of the Switch. That's why. Know, maybe there needs to be something else. But, and all the know, I don't know if, all the rumors of the Switch Two are not necessarily indicating that it's going to be a massive step up in. Well, I mean, it'll yeah. be a big step up in performance, but it's not going to be comparable to some of the higher end handheld PCs. What would be nice is if they allowed like some of their non Game Freak affiliated companies to like start branching out and like putting things on PC and Steam. I don't know if that is possible for them. If that's ever a step they want to take. But I feel like just opening up that avenue and getting a larger fan base on a more broader spectrum. I don't think they'd would be... ever do it because Nintendo's exclusives are really the only thing keeping their business afloat. Um, yeah. And they like to sell the hardware. They price hardware and hardware accessories, you know, pretty, pretty at a premium. And yeah. the only reason the only drive people have to buy them because they've kind of given up on competing technically and, and drawing in like mainstream third party AAA support is the Nintendo exclusives. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. We'll see, yep. but we'll see whatever happens with that. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I have a, I have a little one before we go on to our feature. It's a multiple choice. Your pick, <laughs> dealers, uh, contestants pick, uh, WWE 2K24 or World of Warcraft. Let's go. Wow. Okay. Um, World of Warcraft season of Discovery Phase Two coming up, uh, and in the announcement, Blizzard said that they are now going to crack down on GDKP raids. Um, this is a this has the community up in arms. So GDKPPPB um, <laughs> is a type of um, investment uh, structure for raiding where everyone raids, the loot comes back, and instead of being distributed to those who picked it up, is bid on by the raiders. Um and then the pool of gold is then distributed equally amongst all the raiders. Um, so you can bid on what you want, and if you, you put in a lot of gold that gets shared around to everyone, you get your nice epic loot. Um, and if you don't, or you don't get it, you get the consolation of having more share of the gold. Um, I guess there is... Uh, con- I, I think, I'm guessing there's controversy around this, and that it's like... Share it's like sh- allows for sharing between players or like um, uh, tra- wealth transfer schemes, um, stuff of that nature, I guess, in Blizzard's eyes. But for the community, it is a huge, uh, it's a huge deal. It's a huge part of raiding. It's kind of a big cultural thing for them, I guess. Um, so going having Blizzard now like ban you or take take mod uh, action against you um, for doing this while at the same time the the other act, part of the accusations is they're not doing anything about bots um, seemingly whether that's true or not 
I don't know. Again, I'm I am an outside commentator. Uh, if you play World of Warcraft, you know all about this at this point. It's only uh, it was I think the announcement came out like a week ago. So you've been uh, either fuming furiously or in some kind of heated debate about it for the last week. Um, well, they say it's an experiment, but uh, that remains to be seen. And this is part of Blizzard coming in and taking over from, um, or the the new um, the new management at Blizzard coming in. Microsoft, <laughs> yeah, and making changes. So um, it remains to be seen if this is just an experiment, as they say, or if it is a long term change. And this seems like the first big strike. Uh, the first big um, uh, event or like uh, effect of Microsoft coming in, and this marks the beginning of the. Has new that era. transaction closed yet? I let's see. Um, Microsoft acquisition of Blizzard closed. Um. Yes, Microsoft closed its $69 billion deal for Activision Blizzard after CMA cleared the acquisition. This article was on uh, December, so as of, as of December. Okay, yep, so yeah, this is kind of one of their first big changes. Mm-hmm. October 13th. Yep. Alrighty. Well, that's, now- that's gaming news. Let's talk about... Our feature this week, and a movie that turned 50 this week. Uh, Crazy to think about. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yes, 1974 was, in fact, 50 years ago. (laughs) You couldn't make this movie today. The film stock is all getting very old. (laughs) It's rotting away. You probably couldn't make this movie today for a few reasons. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yes, film stock is definitely one of them. It's Blazing Saddles. Um, it's the uh, like the earliest Mel Brooks hit. One, I think. Yeah. It's the it's his, his uh, first it's his one, breakout hit. First hit. Yeah. It's his yeah. It's I think the one that started it all. Um, maybe not his first one, but uh, was Young was Frankenstein a, know, before did you this? Watch this on Max? No. Uh, no. Did you watch? Um, did you watch this on Max? I watched it uh, on Netflix. Okay, because there was a Max, I guess, owned the Turner Classic Movie version of this, which started with uh, I don't know what her name was, but it started with somebody giving like a five or oh geez, like a five to ten minute intro and like background to this, and it was like. She was giving like a plot synopsis of it, and I'm like, wait, fuck this, skip it. But she also mentioned how it's very like oh, it's it's the Whoopi and... Goldberg before Looney Tunes collection saying, you know, these are yeah product of their time, kind of. Um, so but Blazing like, Saddles yeah. and Young Frankenstein both came out in 1974. Yes. Oh, interesting. Um, what was he doing before that? Um, um just the oh, the producers. Some... He did the producers in '67. Yeah, I think that was his first the, like. Uh, that was a music. Uh, was the, wait, did the producer's musical come first, or did the movie come first? It was a movie. It was a movie first, and then it became a Broadway musical, and then the Broadway musical yeah. got adapted back to the film. 
Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so this, regardless, uh, this is one of his earliest famous comedies. Um, you know, a lot of people grew up on Mel Brooks movies, both these older ones and newer ones like Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, and uh, I'm gonna gonna come in here with perhaps a slightly a lukewarm take here. <laughs> um, Blazing Saddles is my least favorite of of the classic Mel Brooks comedies. Um, um, it's not bad. I don't want to give the impression it's bad. It's funny. It's got a lot of jokes that make me laugh. I never fail to laugh when he takes himself hostage at the end mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, but uh, I feel it, it's it's one of the ones that has aged uh, the worst, not just because of some of the the less sensitive elements of the movie, um, but also just the humor in this movie is not as refined as even the Young Frankenstein, which came out the same year. As as many of, as we all know, as any connoisseur of the arts knows, uh, comedy is a very precise art um, that's very much about delivery, pacing. Um, tone, and many other uh, factors, some more subtle than others. Um, and this movie, it is it is actually, for me, it's funnier than I even remembered. Because um, when I saw it young earlier on, I did not get as many of the jokes. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff I noticed that so, went over my head as a younger man. <laughs> yeah, it did not get as burned into my skull as something like Spaceballs or Robin Hood. Um, but yeah, it is a, it is a tight 90 minutes of film with um, a very early, it's not a, the cinematography, not super well developed. Mel, he loves his cinematographer loves his dissolve fade and <laughs> that it, he has, he has a Swiss army knife, but it's just the knife. And that knife is labeled <laughs> Dissolve Wipe or Dissolve Fade. So like the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He's got one tool and he's going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the it pacing gets a little better as they get into it, but the pacing of the stuff as they're trying to set up the story. It's is, pretty slow to start with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I could see if you were an audience in the 70s and this you hadn't seen a movie kind of quite like this before. Uh, especially once it gets going, this could this is like laugh a minute caliber kind of stuff. Like I could see people getting really uh, uproariously laughing at this kind of movie if they hadn't seen it before. But like every good classic, there's been so much built on top of it that this is almost quaint in a way. Yeah, and um, part of it, I think, at least for me, has to do with it being. A western spoof. Um, I'm not a huge western guy. Yeah, this came to at begin the end with. of the classic western era. Um, I think there. I know there's like a division between like traditional and revisionist westerns. I don't know when abouts that happened. So I think. Um, so when did Good, Bad, and the and, Ugly come yeah, out? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. It's like what? Where did this land on that timeline? Um, because definitely in the 70s, I think 66. it was still a very popular okay. genre. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the spaghetti western was really big in the 60s and the late 60s 
uh, to early 70s. And then there was a something of a Western revival in the 90s. Okay. Um, you know, that 30-year kind of nostalgia bump, and you had movies like Unforgiven come out. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely the heyday of the... The Western had had passed by by the time uh, this movie came out. Yeah, or was was in the waning stages. Yeah, so I um I had not seen um, Blazing Saddles. This was a first look into it. I've seen clips of it. Um, definitely, so I knew I knew certain things and I, I recognized certain things. Um, and knowing this is Mel Brooks's like kind of first foray into or at least the first of his bunch that he's well known for. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense. Uh, it definitely seemed like it was his, like he's figuring it out still phase. Like he definitely knew he wanted a style to have clever writing, clever jokes, silly jokes, take itself lightly mm-hmm. while having like an element of like still based found uh, a, a base in reality kind of, um, where like you would definitely have your straight men, and then you have your just absurdist yeah, humor, your, your wacky boys, um, um. and then like your shock humor too. Like he wanted to implement a, a yes. big amount of that, and then uh, on on top of that, a nice little bow wrapped on top of like fourth wall yes. breaking. In um, and it's really interesting too that it's like Looney Tunes style specifically. Like you ever watch a Looney Tunes commercial, yeah. uh, c- commercial cartoon, oh, yeah. and like the, the monster turns to the camera, he's like, "Ain't I a stinker?" And then punches yeah. Bugs Bunny oh, in the I, face. I wouldn't be surprised if Mel Brooks, when pitching this idea, was like, "Imagine Looney Tunes, but in live action and with real people." Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised for like <laughs> I mean, adults. Yeah, like, like they literally <laughs> do the dynamite the- gag where. <laughs> Oh yeah, the candy gram, and they play the fucking Looney Tunes theme as he like walks out of the the saloon. They do the dynamite gag. They do the the fake um like the the fake prop like fake town gag is basically like um you know mm-hmm. painting the the tunnel on the, on the yeah. rock wall to get them to run into the rock. But never mind um, like that shit. A, Here comes Mongo. Here comes Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just putting it together. Like I, this was a Warner Brothers movie. So I'm sure I feel like yeah, I, oh yeah. I, I guess there was some creative talent that like kind of like seeped in there. Um, well, I'm wondering if they if they had like writers from Warner Brothers um, who had worked on uh, Looney Tunes so, also to help with like the ideas and, and pitching like the story. I'm I'm looking at writing credits for the other two writers on this movie. Um, And I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing Looney Tunes. Yeah. We did. Also, Richard Pryor like, was among the writers on this movie, I believe. Um, um the Richard Pryor. Yes, he was. Andrew yes. Bergman, Norman Steinberg, of course, Mel Brooks, and Alan Uger. But yes, Richard so Pryor the- probably punched up the. Uh, dialogue for Bart a bit, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was um I was kind of curious about the um the town, Rock Ridge. Was that a was that a Johnson and Johnson joke that they were 
all I think Johnson, maybe not specifically had, like, from the company, but like the joke itself. Yeah, that everyone was named Johnson. I like the I like the little joke where they go through the town and Johnson Howard Johnson's ice cream parlor, one flavor. <laughs> I I that was a very cute little background joke that was very easily missed. Uh, like they kept on like going on about their names, and I was trying to figure out where the joke is because at first I was like, oh, there's. There was the the bartender whose name was like uh, Anal Johnson or something like that. I was like, yeah. ha, 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 funny, um, but it's good. And then I was like waiting for like somebody named, there was, I think there was a Richard Johnson or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I get it, Dick Johnson. That's good. Um, but then then they brought up like randomly, they were talking about um, how in France, uh, France they were, uh, they, desi- they developed a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, oh, are they, are they like going to, Play on this later and be like, we should start a company. Nope. And it was called Johnson, and it never did no. pay off. It was, <laughs> was kind of annoying. I think you're looking a little too yeah. far into the future. But maybe I, maybe yeah. But I was like, have fifty I don't know, years this, this into the sense. future. It was, it was, is commendable though that they like this. It that joke gets a lot of play in the movie, like the everyone is named Johnson joke, and they yeah. They, it's in a lot of, it's like throughout it's kind of like layered under the whole movie for a lot of it and it's not the fun like it's it's a little funny but it's not like the I was with, uproarious I was the payoff. uh like running joke that I think they thought it was and that was one that they probably kind of like looked back and like all right maybe we don't need to put that much effort into a joke if it's not going to like kill like like I know Mel Brooks is big on like making fun about like religions I was wondering if they were going to be like like oh maybe they were uh, you know uh, Mormons you know mm-hmm. you know they have big families and uh, oh no no Met- Methodists no we're Christians no we're Mormons <laughs> I think yeah, Mormons well, are just kind of funny think- in general <laughs> yeah yeah like why why do you think we all have the same last name and you know it makes um, sense because they're all out west mm. but uh, when I when I really do like pick apart the movie uh, I'm. I do find myself like picking apart certain things and then rolling my eyes to the the humor in them. Um, where I'm guessing he got the feedback that those those weren't received as well, and he punched up his writing and and he added more like a comedy routine in the in the later movies like Spaceballs, yeah. um, because there's there's not as much of the 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 five minute fart jokes yeah, and. That's... Um, that's kind of indicative of the early pacing of this movie is like they slow they got to spin up the the jokes like an old automobile and the icon like the one that kind of sells it for me on that or that that really uh identifies that or like highlights that is yeah they it's the scene so bart the escaped um uh work railroad worker makes it he escapes uh, a death sentence by becoming the sheriff the black sheriff in a frontier town uh, who are all racist. Um, and he's get, he gets back from his first day on the job or whatever. And he meets um, Gene Wilder who plays the Waco kid, Jim. Uh, and they start to get to know each other. And it's like a very straight scene. There's some, there's some dry humor in there. Cause Gene Wilder likes his humor bone dry. Um, I mean, that's. I think that's just how he talks. I don't know if he thinks he, he knows he's being funny. I think well, that's just how he is. Well, he has like he a is. very famous, like he's had some famous quotes of like, "I don't like slapstick. I don't like 
over the top humor. I like I like very like subtle. Um, well, yeah, I funny mean humor. that that's just how he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I so, was making a joke. Yeah, so they have that conversation, and it's like okay, they establish some backstory. They move the plot forward. You gotta you still gotta do that in a comedy movie, sure. But it really felt like Mel Brooks got bored, and he cut to a scene of all the other cowboys. <laughs> just eating beans and farting on this. It's just a slow pan out of this whole scene. And it is funny that it, like, it starts out very quiet and then just keeps going and going and growing until there's an entire circle of cowboys just standing up and ripping ass. Like, in a different movie, I would, I would find that hilarious. I'm not above this. <laughs> but it doesn't... Yeah, I, I don't know, know how what, well what it matches with his, with his later style. I think it's also like the um, the sound effects that they use, and I, I get it. Maybe they like the the audio that they piped in for it wasn't as well good good quality. But like I feel like nowadays, piped in farts sound a lot better <laughs> or a lot more realistic. I don't, I don't know. That's a weird like critique. That's a weird to one have. to take yeah, out sound of context. The piped in farts that that could be literal. Sound effect libraries have uh, have evolved in quality. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just it just sounds like they gave it to a foley artist and they did what they yeah. could, and they were just like, arm they were like armpit farts. They got like the fucking <laughs> gack or whatever, just for putting their yeah. thumbs yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um they, they hadn't invented yeah. gack. <laughs> they were still, they were still figuring it out. They were perfecting the art of farts. It was a huge, uh, huge boon for the foley industry when yeah. gack came into the picture. <laughs> <laughs> You can uh, learn more by reading The Art of the Fart, <laughs> a Foley artist uh, memoir. <laughs> I, um, I, I guess that's a quick say, waiting to like, I don't know, I guess talk about the effects. Let's say it's pretty standard effects. I One effect that I noticed, which was interesting, and I guess I'm, we're, jump, we're jumping around. No spoilers. It's a 50-year-old movie. Wow. It's a 50-year-old movie. <laughs> um, the ending, which... Side note, like Warner Brothers is the studio that I feel like the most is the most willing to just like have a meta circle jerk about itself and get weird with it. Like between this and like the Animaniacs and Teen Titans, like a lot of their kit, a lot of their cartoon stuff, they they love to like get weird meta with it. And this fall again, it falls in that vein where the final climactic scene, it starts with a giant brawl in the town in which the townspeople take the correct response to haters, which is blow them up with dynamite and run in and beat them with sticks. Um, <laughs> and then it it slowly zooms out, and you're like, oh, it's the whole town. They're all in one. And then it pans over through California, the California suburbs of Hollywood, <laughs> and onto the studio lot of Warner Brothers. And, and then through Manhattan's this, this like, theater. <laughs> reality, this reality-bending non-sequitur sequence where the... <laughs> All the cast runs through another production, starting and with, honestly, where Dom DeLuise is like has a cameo, an early Dom DeLuise. Which I mean, Dom DeLuise is uh, Mel Brooks's uh, buddy, so he's, if he's in most of his movies, yeah, uh, in some form or another. Um, and then yeah, through the commissary, and then they go, they they end up going to see. Like the end of Austin Powers, they go to see their own movie um, yeah. at the Chinese theater. And I noticed the, bla the Blazing Saddles flashing sign 
that was composited on. If you look at it quickly, it does not follow the camera movements. It's jittery. So, like, they got someone to, like, mask out the sign and put in a flashing, like, Blazing Saddles graphic with That's 1974 technology. Yeah. Um, the biggest special effect of the whole movie. Um, except for maybe the fly- the exploding flying horses. I love that one. Where... The dynamite goes, and you just see like the horse dummy just fly fifty feet into the air from I, the other side of the ridge. I, I saw like a horse dummy like just like go stiff and like fall back, and I, I just like I dummies being thrown will never not be funny to me, especially yeah, when yeah. they're meant to be children or little people. Yeah. I don't know why I find that so funny. I know it makes me a bad person, but I do. <laughs> um, there, there's so many good things. Like I, I'm, it's inter- I would be interesting to see how this movie came together because I think of stuff like when Mongo punches the horse. It's like they t- they had a trick horse that's they trained to fall over from like gunshots or like battle scenes. And they someone on the lot said, "What if we just did that, but a dude decked the horse in the face instead <laughs> of it getting shot?" And then we had the iconic Mongo punches a horse to death scene. Um, so the one thing of one thing about Mongo when um. When we started watching this, uh, we were like counting how many, how many offendable offenses. Yeah, how, uh, how many people are taking uh, strays here? Offendable moments. Yeah. How many? How many things we we could be like, uh oh, <laughs> canceled one, and it was like within the first two minutes there was like already mm-hmm. three, which was great. And then they introduced Mongo, and I'm like, no fucking way, <laughs> no way did they know who did they cast, and for the. There was a solid 30, 30 seconds to a minute where I 100% thought that they cast, like, just some guy with Down syndrome to <laughs> Mongo. And I was like, oh, my God. They didn't give, like, the strong, mentally handicapped guy a place in this movie. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's too fucking far. But no, it's just a more yeah. Thank God. It's, it, Thank God, Alex Karras yeah. is. Alex Karras a... has like <laughs> a strong theater tradition in his in his work here. He like he was on Victor Victoria, um, some series. Yeah. Like he was in Mash. Um, he's only guilty of being born in Gary, Indiana. That's the only thing he's. That's his only yeah. disability. So. He was in one episode Not... of Mash. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'll take that. Famous MASH superstar. Um, Alex I was surprised because I, I was, I knew that this was a name. This was a guy, but I didn't remember that this was a guy until I saw the credits and uh, the bandit or the the railroad flunky Taggart is played by Slim Pickens. Yes. Which I was like, yeah, okay, I, I remember that, but also great name. I just I. It came back to me. I was like, "Oh yeah, Slim Pickens." Uh, obviously, so good. Sl- Slim Pickens is a uh, <coughs> a stage name. Yeah, uh, I, I hate to disappoint anyone who fa- who would have thought his mama named him Slim Pickens, but uh, I didn't even know. That. <laughs> I missed that. Slim Pickens is his yep. name. That's great. Um, I want to talk about there. So there, there are some really great lines in here. Um. I think I think my favorite has to go to um they they rock up on the uh the toll booth. It's like y'all got any dimes? We need someone to go back and get a shitload of dimes. <laughs> shitload of dimes. There's some um, good one liners in here. I 
uh, I, I want to talk, like, I, I love how they cast uh, Cleavon Little's Bart in this and just, just made him, like, much like Bugs Bunny, they just made him, like, cynical, like, a little, you know, sarcastic, a little rebellious, and uh, very cool. I, I did a real... Well, he also knows how to play the time, yeah. too. Like, right, like, he, like he's not... He, he wasn't... It seems like he wasn't easily offended by the, the racializing of the time. Right. Uh, he understood... Like the the moment he was in, and that didn't get to him. Or at least he didn't let that get to him too much. Um, instead, he knew how to roll with yeah. it. So, like when the first the famous uh, scene when the he first gets there and they all point their guns at him and yeah. they're about to shoot him, and he pulls out his gun, holds, holds himself hostage, yeah. and he's like, yeah. "I swear, I'll let him I, have it." <laughs> Back away. And put even your guns before down. that, um, where he he rolls up in the <laughs> the welcome sheriff sign. Uh, rolls up. I just love his little confidence of coming in one with the drip. The man has the fit every scene of this movie. I love it. Um, and he comes in. He just pulls. He's like, "Nope, I pull him. The, I am here. I'm here to stay. And you're gonna deal with it." Um, yeah, he's like, he's he's here like hitting wake and bakes in the sheriff's office. He's he's outsmarting the bad guys. Hitting wake and bakes. <laughs> he's in, in the, the second scene. He's wake up and he's he's smoking a joint. Yeah. Yes, but that's no one's ever called it hitting a wake and bake. <laughs> I do now. I was making fun as of you for being a narc. <laughs> as the most avid marijuana smoker. Yo, yo, but Gene Wilder knew how to toke that. Uh, he probably. You know, like Do you think Gene Wilder didn't smoke weed, Jake? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. He's Willy Wonka to me. He's, he's, yeah, he's... Willy Wonka was definitely blitzed out of his mind the entire fucking time. Did you see that <laughs> factory? Willy Wonka and the candy <laughs> keys. He had to make his own munch. <laughs> he had to make his own munch. The sugar split. You know there were some edibles that he produced. Everlasting gobstopper. Why do you think it needs to last so long? <laughs> He's got munchies forever. He invented um, the edible. The one thing about <laughs> speaking of uh, Gene Wilder, um, his his character Jim, um, I guess this is one of the, the IMDb like trivia slash quotes that they have um, when he's consoling him, and he's like, "You got to remember, these people are just simple farmers. These are people of the land, common clay of the West." Morons. 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 <laughs> yes. He did not know that that was the last part of the line. Yeah, that was part. a very genuine uh, yeah, laugh at the camera. That it was, was a, and so a, that was because that's what Mel Brooks I think does pretty good uh, with like certain parts of the movies where he's like he's okay. It's okay to break character. It's okay. In fact, that sometimes is movie magic. And the the, the one of the more famous ones was the biggest dickus in uh, history of the world part one. <laughs> Where he, he he didn't know or he was the guard was told if you laugh you're fired without pay. And it was I forgot if it was Mel Brooks or not, but it was just he was trying to get the guard to laugh so hard and they just stayed on that guard until he just like could not hold it anymore. And it was just it makes for such a good scene. Yeah. Because yeah. it's authentic. And like I wouldn't even uh, say that Bart laughing is breaking character. That that seems like something that the character Bart would laugh at. Yeah, that's true. It all it that's, all that's, works. That's another thing. Um, yeah, Mel Brooks is even in this movie. I mean, obviously in this movie, he's not afraid to take risks. But I do appreciate that uh, he was not afraid to get his own ass in the fire on this shit. Where he took the I the uh, the flashback scene where I I 
that's a great little scene because he takes the concept of the obviously not native guy playing the native american and just takes it to the fullest degree possible where he rocks up <laughs> the, as the, the red wo- face is pretty bad <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty rough but the fact that yeah he but rocks the, up and he starts speaking in yiddish <laughs> yeah that's just that's great it does remind me an awful lot of um or i should say that and i i can't believe i didn't make this connection when we reviewed it the outlaw johnny black and they're mm. completely non-native Native Americans. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't draw the parallel there to Blazing Saddles. There is there executed some... much better in this movie. Yeah, than I was going to say one. there's a lot of comparisons you can make between the two. Um, not favorable to Outlaw Johnny Black, unfortunately. Um, but can't win them all. Um, yeah, no, and then and his only other character, Mel Brooks's other character, is the. Um, the governor. absolutely doofy governor who I was going to ask you this um about the governor cuz I want to get your thoughts what did you think of him cuz I like love Mel Brooks I think he's a great comedian or he can do some great comedy um I did not like his governor character I most of the time I, I should say there's a couple lines in there mm-hmm. that like hit with me but most of the time he was like he was like the fart scene level of absurdity where I was. It like, was a little. It was a little shallow. Um, yeah, I the, the character really didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, I remember being kind of confused because I assumed when I first watched this movie, I was like, I don't know, fourteen, thirteen, something like that. Um, I was confused because I thought that uh, the governor was. Uh, Harvey Corman's character. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. It says Mel Brooks is the governor on the back of what's, this what's box on? here. What's going on here? Have I been flimflammed? <laughs> um, but yeah, like yeah. the the character didn't serve any purpose. It was just like, you know, it wouldn't have looked out of place if he had the fucking propeller beanie on his head. Oh, like it that just been, was... That would have been good. Just I think that would have taken it to just brought it that much further. I, I kind of like that. I mean, it would have fit. Yeah. <laughs> it probably, I think fit. part of it. Yeah, it was. Sorry, he was, he was like he was playing with the the yeah. paddle ball and which being one? Bad. I <laughs> actually like, really like that. Is the end of that scene where they just hand out the fucking paddles to everyone and we're like, "How are we gonna end this scene?" Oh, everyone's just doing the paddle ball. We're just gonna fade it to black <laughs> as everyone's just playing with paddle balls. At the like the thing I liked about that scene was it was like okay, I get it. He was trying to like pinpoint like the the absurdity of like bureaucracy and government and Mm -hmm. how it seems like they never get anything done they're all stupid they just slack off most of the time and they're like they don't really they don't really do much you know he just he signs a piece of paper then makes a law and it's like that that's i think it's also Uh, the uh the trope of the evil bland grabber baron like getting one yeah. over on the governor, it's like you'd have to be an absolute imbecile to let this guy uh, run the it's, scheme. It's on a you. it's a satirization of a fairly common trope in westerns. Um, mm, gotcha. So that's see, I don't know many westerns, so that maybe maybe it would have resonated a little. I will more be fair if I had known other governors oh, that yeah. acted like a lot of my western knowledge is is from Briscoe County Junior. I will say. That is that is also where most of mine comes from as well. But I have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, so I feel that gives me some credit also. Yeah. 
Um, I think this is also like the f- kind of the building blocks of President Scrooge later on in in Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what. So I'd seen Spaceballs before I seen this movie, and um, I think that's part of why I don't really, you know, have too much to say about the character because it's just like. Scrooge is what this character was supposed to be. Like that's the final evolution yeah. of this Trimmed character. The fat, tuned up the volume on the stuff that was funny, and came up with a really yeah. classic character later on. Um, and you can see that, like the like the Hangman character. While it's great in this as a as an out of place non sequitur or like a anachronism, when it's in Robin Hood Men in Tights, um, yeah. And that's it's weird because that becomes like a weird reverse callback, where it's it's a joke from uh, another movie put back into context as a new joke, <laughs> right? It's it's kind of weird like that, and um, I is there's also that great joke in in Robin Hood where he where um the main character um who was it um oh fuck who um. A Blinken, Blinken, not Blinken. Yeah, whoever Dave Chappelle plays, he becomes the. Oh no, that's not that's uh, a Chew. Yes, yes, a Chew. Um, he becomes the the sheriff at the end, and they all go, "A black sheriff." And they make the blazing yeah. saddles joke. Um, I just it's an interesting connection those two movies have, of course. Oh yeah, I mean, he, Mel Brooks calling back to his earlier work is not exactly something he's uh, shied away from. Yeah. So I yeah again this is a this is a tight ninety minutes. Um, I like that. I I mean I really do enjoy the way that they kind of ended it by just like breaking it down as a complete farce, much in the way I I feel like that was a thing in the seventies of like the really absurd comedies because Monty Python did that too. Where they just kind of didn't, they just had a non-ending. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of Holy Grail is the ending, where the cops just show up and arrest everyone. <laughs> it's the perfect way to end that movie. It's <laughs> it was it's a great comedic device, and I don't think it's used enough in modern comedy today. Um, because they're all cowards. All cowards. Um. <laughs> yeah, this... authors who use subtext are cowards. <laughs> and I, I, if there is one thing this movie is, it's uh, unsubtle. It's certainly not cowardly, that's for sure. Yeah. And um, if anything, you know, if that spirit can be carried on to comedy movies today, I think that's why I we see a lot of new comedy movies that just don't hit because they're not they're not willing to just go for it. Well, we even, live in even a, if it's not in an offensive way, like uh, like with Blazing Saddles, right? Even just well, yeah, normal, we live in a regular uh, comedy movies. We live in a climate today where studios can't really afford to take risks with their comedies, and I don't even mean that from like you know a, an edgy a, perspective, like, edgy perspective, like financial risk. Like they gotta. Comedies don't make a lot of money at the box office unless they're really good. Yet the build for a wide audience, but if you try to make something that appeals to everyone, you end up making something that appeals to no one. Yeah, and that's why a lot of these comedies just don't hit. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, back in these days, it was a different cinematic landscape. You know, the box office wasn't dominated by film franchises and, and superhero movies. Yeah. And you could make your experimental comedy. Hollywood and was not have the, it be good. As big as Hollywood was, it was still not the corporate monolith that it, the megacorps that is it that it is today. Um, yeah, but, the bu- the know. budgets for these movies, like even adjusted for inflation, weren't nearly as exorbitant as they are today. And you know, this is a movie that was you know shot on like three different sound stages for the entire movie. Yeah. And <laughs> what I, what I think is interesting is is to. Um kind of compare that because this was at the, at the end of the western movies i wonder if we'll see a different type of spoof movie come at the end of the like superhero and era, not and not the to that. wayans brothers superhero movie yeah that's I was about the to wrong say, i think title. they already yeah. tried that <laughs> yeah um i think a good modern analog in a lot of ways is um tropic thunder because that's about the gritty war movie genre yeah <sighs> Sure, yeah. and that's yeah, also yeah, that, that's, and whenever this movie comes, like whenever Blazing Saddles comes up, and people talk about the uh, the controversy, as it were, um, Bla- Tropic Thunder always kind of comes up as like, hey, that spirit can still show up in modern movies, and people well, are fine with it. <laughs> modern, that movie came out fifteen years ago. God, uh, but it is the most like recent example of a comedy with that kind of edge to it, and. We haven't seen it before. <laughs> we haven't seen it since, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you count, like, uh, Borat. Uh, I don't. It, Borat's a different beast entirely because it's, like, man-on-the-street stuff. Yeah. It's not yeah. really, like, a scripted well, that, yeah, comedy. That so... Yeah, that was, yeah, man-on-the-street stuff. That's, yeah, your, your, your comedy's coming from how people react and set kind oh, of the shock. Oh, he actually did this in public. When they, or, or when, or when you don't expect people to act a certain way and then they're like, no, yeah, I'll say the N word. on Yeah. Camera. I don't got a problem with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then you're like, Oh God. Oh, people are like, it doesn't take much mask off. <laughs> get the evil yep. out of people. Yeah. <laughs> the mask is not very tightly on. Um, but and yeah, Blazing Saddles is I will classic. Add one last comment as we finish up here. Um, this was adapted into a kids-friendly version called uh, Paws of Fury. We we talked about it when the trailer came out. Written by many of the same uh, people, yes. actually. And um, Mel Brooks has a voice cat voice credit in that movie. Um, the I don't... original title for that movie was Blazing Satur- Samurai. Yes. Um, I don't know why they changed it. <laughs> Probably because when they got to the edit and realized this was going to suck, they didn't want to sully the memory of placing saddles. Yep. Um, I don't think we're going to watch that movie. I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> no, I think that's a skip. You never know. Um, but I can recommend watching Blazing Saddles. It's it's a funny movie, even it's, if it's not as funny as something like Young Frankenstein or Spaceballs. minutes. It's, it's yeah, tight 90, uh, great performance from the great Gene Wilder. So uh, you got that going for it. And, um, you know, if you're someone who takes themselves and takes things a little too seriously, maybe it's not one for you. But if you uh, if you can 
if you can roll with the punches and yeah. laugh at the absurdity, then it's definitely worth watching. And, uh, you know, it's legacy lives on 50 years. We're still talking about it. Yep. It is, is remains a, an icon of culture and comedy to this day. Um, so I'm glad we could talk about it. Funnily enough, I'm on the IMDb page for it right now, and it's uh, the 705th most popular movie in IMDb right now. It dropped 160 spots this week. Oh, <laughs> it's wow. anniversary week. Oh. Like, what the hell? <laughs> um, I, I went to go watch the uh, trailer for Pause of Fury, Legend of Hank. Even the the uh, the, the YouTube synopsis uh, is like, yeah, this is 100. Um, percent Blazing Saddles. Uh, Hank finds himself in a town full of cats who hate him. Uh, he's got to find his reluctant teacher to help train him uh, to fight against uh, the ruthless villain's evil plot to wipe their village off the map. Um, it even has a scene where all the cats are. They have torches, and it seems like they are farting and lighting the torches up a little bit more. Uh, so there's a big fart scene. <laughs> so, so what we, so what I'm hearing is they took the wrong lessons from the, from the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's well, old is new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up on episode four or five of the Seven Says Podcast. Join us next week for some more uh, goofing. And uh, until that time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace.